0: Jamming is hard, you know, it's not, it's like really taxing and, and really demanding and doesn't always go well, but it's the times that it does that are just so rewarding and so satisfying that it's like, you're chasing that. You want to chase that every time when it goes well, it's the most incredible thing, whether you're a listener or the person making it. I've had some of the most like transcendent moments in my life, being at a show and seeing the band pull it off, whatever band it is. We want to create that moment for other people and for ourselves. When you have that that success on stage, it's one of the most amazing feelings.
2: Welcome concert goers, music fanatics, and Golden Gate dancers. My name is Lance Ingram, and in this episode of Yesterday's Concert, Eggie drummer and singer Alex Bailey talks jamming, rising artist buzz, and quiche. Grab your earplugs, because we're searching for that spacey bliss.
0: All right, I'm here with Alex from Eggy. And how are you doing today, Alex? I'm great. Just on a little break from touring get get to spend some time at home, just hang out for a little bit. You guys just played Halloween. How was that? Oh, it was absolutely wild yeah we had we had the the opportunity to play like the perfect slot honestly in in my opinion played twelve thirty a m or twelve fifteen a m to one thirty on friday night and uh I think for a festival, like a, you know, heady festival, like Halloween is, I think that's like the perfect slot. Yeah. And everyone's kind of, you know, there was the Thursday before, you know, there was the Thursday where people came in, got the lay of the land, kind of got lubricated a little bit. And then Friday night, they're just ready to party and, you know, rage. I watched
2: the set on YouTube this morning actually and it was yeah. uh, looked like a lot of fun like it looked like a great crowd looked like it's it was so a good fun. back and forth looked like I mean, it was that
0: awesome it was insane it's I've been to one festival that's similar to it Electric Forest in terms of just the the production and the the art installations and the detail that's put into every little bit of the forest and and the the layout of the festival and it, just the vibe there is insane like that's cool all, the lineup was incredible but but honestly more than that like the the production of the festival was super impressive and like very immersive
2: so so the shows went well in your opinion you thought it went well
0: the show went, went really well had a great crowd everyone was super rowdy and and you know loving it and then we got to you know even for a, a late slot like that we still got to see some music after um after our set we saw circles around the sun which is such a such a great show did that go to sunrise or is that no until four okay that's still 30 to four and uh we were just having such a good time didn't didn't feel like that (laughs) didn't feel like four. Um, you know we're still buzzing off the adrenaline of our show and then going into just seeing some incredible music like circles around the sun it was a blast
2: Man, that's fantastic. That's awesome.
0: Well, uh, we'll get started with our conversation today. So just to,
2: to ease our way in, we'll have a little icebreaker just to have some fun, kind of get to know each other a little bit. Um, so first icebreaker question, start fairly easy. What do you think is the greatest live album of all time? That's not hard at all.
0: <laughs> it's, it's actually relatively easy, I think. At, at least the first one that comes to mind and the one that I've historically told people, at least in the last few years, that I think is the best live album, it's got to be Waiting for Columbus by Little Feet. Yes. It's just, it's perfect. It's stellar. I think, you know, we we actually did a full um, show of covering Waiting for Columbus uh, a couple of years ago. And I, w- I wasn't super familiar with Little Feet before mm-hmm. that. Um, but diving into that music and like learning every note it's it is so ingrained in my playing now That's and awesome. it's just such a part of my like musical uh identity at yeah. this point and just every inch of that album is is perfection in my what from that
2: album did you did you in- absorb what was it that you take with you?
0: so much of um um why am I blanking on his name? The drummer. Um, This always happens. Like people that are literally like so important (laughs) to me, when put on the spot, I literally just forget their names. Do you remember Um, your mother's name? Let's, let's get that straight. uh, (laughs) Richie Hayward. He, um, there's so many like isms in his playing that I picked up on, like, you know, not to be too technical, but like, these accents that he does on, like, the hi hat before a downbeat, before like a snare drum hit. That's something that's, that's, I find listening back to. I, I do all the mixing for, yeah. for our shows. And so I listen back to every note that we play. And just listening to my drumming, I'll notice that at almost every show, little like Richie Haywardisms. But then also just the, the, their energy as a group i think we kind of absorbed a little bit and they're the way they gel together and like the the grooves that they play like we definitely absorbed a good amount of that as a group and mm-hmm. i think people that are familiar with both our music and with little Feat's music and that that live album in specific i think would be able to to hear that influence
2: Okay, so moving on, in your opinion, which is the superior jam? Blissful and Spacey or Wild and Funky?
0: (laughs) Blissful and Spacey or Wild and Funky? I think it changes from time to time for me. Like, you know, in my history of, like, listening to fish, you know, there's times where I really prefer the, like, I don't want to specify a, an era necessarily, but like, you know, like 95, mm-hmm. 93 and stuff, like they were just relentless with the funk and the absurdness and the, what did you say? What, what were the options? Blissful and Spacey? Blaise, blissful and Spacey and Wild and Funky. Wild or and wild Funky. And f- yeah. Yeah, some some of those like 95 jams it's just like completely off the cuff and completely wild and absolutely love that. Like, yeah. but then there's also times there's like eras of my listening where I prefer the like, you know, Harry Hood from a live one, where it just gets to that, like you're literally like floating when you're listening to it. Like you're just like levitated because of how perfect sounding it is and how like beautiful and blissful it is i don't know if i think you probably knew that i i would say i wouldn't be able to pick one because <laughs> when you're putting it in the fish bucket that's an incredibly hard i mean i
2: think some of the best moments i've had at a fish show were during the blissful and spacey moments oh, yeah. but like nothing compares to the wild and like being in the pit for a wild and funky jam. Like, I mean, I I was thinking I was at one show and they played you sexy thing. And I was in the pit and it was like the first song of the night. And it was just the rowdiest, most fun. I mean, the light was still out and it (laughs) was the most fun thing in the world. But then like, like you said, like a good hood, it just, I mean, it moves your soul. Like it's hard to choose. Yeah.
0: It takes you to another place. But I think some of the, like, Some of the stuff they get into and not just fish, like a a lot of a lot of different bands, like when it's completely off the cuff jamming, it's not like, you know, a lot of the blissful, you know, spacey stuff is like they're just riding a groove all the way up until it's just this like beautiful. They're just sending it. But a lot of the like wild off the cuff moments, like you're literally you're in a trance, but a totally different form of trance, you're like yeah. your body's like moving with the movements of the music, and I so many times at a fish show, I find myself literally like rotating, just being like, what <laughs> where are they bringing me right now? And you know i I hope that we that we're able to provide that experience for us for people when they see our show because you know those those kind of moments are are really what like took me to another place at at fish shows and stuff
2: well you must have had a camera because that's how I was responding to your this morning while I was while I was working I was just vibing out man it was a great great experience so so uh okay so next question and you're gonna you're probably gonna piss off somebody with this one so Uh we're gonna have fun with it so you get to play favorites what part of the country jams the hardest
0: oh no (laughs) Oh no um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the last, oh man. Yeah. So what comes to mind at first, just cause it was so recent, upstate New York gets down. We had a show in Syracuse and it was like one of the rowdiest crowds we've had in a long time. There's been nights in Buffalo that we've played that are just absurd buffalo goes wild the last show we did in albany we did a full weekend of upstate new york and it was just the most fun and people were just so into it we're just grooving like crazy is that what you mean by like jam yeah no that's i mean that's actually the answer that i expected
2: you to give just because like from listening to bootlegs and audience tapes and things like that it always seems like specifically Northeast America is where the best of shows and the best of heady jams and stuff is.
0: Which I really didn't... I grew up in Chicago and only really knew about the Chicago scene. Didn't really, like... Obviously, I knew Fish came up in the Northeast and, like, toured the Northeast mainly in their, their early days. And even still, like, the bulk of the shows that they play are in the Northeast. Um, but I didn't know about like, like I, I moved to the Northeast, um, when I went to school in Boston, I went to Berkeley. And even when I was in Boston, like, I didn't really know that there was a scene in Connecticut. I didn't know there was, I kind of knew about Burlington, but didn't know about these other little pockets in the Northeast. And, And after moving to Connecticut, well, I guess after I joined Eggy when I was still living in Boston and I was commuting back and forth and started to play shows in new Haven and, and Bridgeport and Fairfield and stuff. And was like looking at the crowd. I'm like, how did I not know about this thriving scene? You know? And then I, I started to learn more about where it came from with like gathering of the vibes, you know, being from here and and how that kind of cultivated a lot of the, like the jam scene here. And, You know, I going into that upstate weekend recently, like had no expectations for a place like Syracuse, you know, didn't, I knew that there was a school there and, but didn't expect it to go so hard, like for there to be so many people there and just like going crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's been such a blessing to spend so much time in the Northeast and getting to know it so well. It's definitely a special place. Especially for music,
2: so what you're saying is Eggy hates three fourths <laughs> exactly. of America. Is what I'm hearing right now. That's that's the headline exactly. for the story now. Uh, so you heard it <laughs> no, here. But it's Eggy only plays Northeast <laughs> now.
0: It's so cool because like <laughs> looking at our you know at our Spotify like where people are listening to us the most. Honestly, most of it is not in the Northeast. Like the the top cities are like Chicago, Denver, uh, New York is is up there, but you know it, we played in chicago once it was opening for spafford but i don't think we kind of got the full scope of like what an eggy show was like there and we're doing our first headlining show in chicago in december and i'm super excited for that cuz i have a feeling that they're going to chicago's going to surprise us and and show up and and be you know going crazy and like i said i'm from chicago so i'm i'm super super psyched for that And then Denver also like Colorado is like the Mecca of music and our kind of music. So the two times or one, one time we've been out there was also insane. Yeah. So no hate to any, any, (laughs) anyone. All right.
2: I'll retract the headline. I'll retract it. We'll get back. Aggie loves America. Okay. So we got two more questions. Uh, So this one I'm, I already hate myself for asking it but it's in a good nature of fun. So since your band name is eggy, egg sandwich, quiche or Whoa. eggs benedict, which one? Mm.
0: Okay, so what I enjoy the most probably eggs benedict. Like if I'm doing well financially, I'll I'll go for like the the salmon like the biggest, you know, most <laughs> elaborate eggs Benedict, but I don't think I could have it every day.
2: No, yeah.
0: If I if it were uh, about sustainability and what I would eat every day, egg sandwich, bacon, egg and cheese, sausage, egg and cheese,
2: can't go wrong with that. No, no. Again, no. going back to the sensationalized headlines, Eggy hates quiche. Is that what we're hearing now? <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: lo- I love a quiche. I don't. I don't think I could even have one every week. It, it has to be, that's like a special. It's like a food, holiday you know. thing, like a Christmas. Yeah, yeah I yeah, get that. My, my aunt makes a good quiche. When I go home for Christmas, I'll be eating a, nice. a good quiche. But yeah, Eggy hates quiche. <laughs> 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 All <laughs> totally. right, last question.
2: Uh This is probably the hardest question you're going to get today. Sly in the Family Stone or James Brown?
0: Ooh. Man, it's kind of embarrassing, but like... I don't think I'm informed enough to even make Ooh. a decision. Like I haven't put in the time on either. Like, Whoa. obviously I've listened to both, mm-hmm. but not an extensive amount. Like I want to lie and tell you that like, oh, that's hard, man. Like, why would you, why, why you gotta do that to me? But it's really something I got to dig into. I know that I should have spent that time. And I know that, like, it's kind of sacrilegious to even say that I haven't listened to either that much. So but, I was thinking
2: as funky as y'all are, how do, it seems yeah. like that would be kind of ingrained in, which, like, your background some.
0: I think I need to to get back to the roots of the funk. You do? I think I need to, like, because most of the funk I've listened to is more modern. Mm-hmm. It's more like, you know, I've, I've I've listened to P-Funk a good amount, but... You know, I spent a lot of time listening to lettuce and listening to, you know, more of the the modern funk stuff than than where it actually came from. Definitely got to get back to the roots. That's okay. All right, so that that's an good... na na for that question.
2: <laughs> I'll take it. I'll allow it this time. Uh, you did well on the other one. So that's a 90% you'll pass. So good job. Uh, so that's actually a good segue kind of talking about the band's roots. So how did the band come together? What What's the history here? How When did y'all start? Where'd y'all start? All that good stuff.
0: Totally. So um, as I said before, I grew up in Chicago. So I, I was not a founding member of Eggy. I believe I want to say Eggy initially started in like 2012, 2013. The other three guys went to high school together, Mike, Donnie, and Jake. And they had always, you know, been playing music together. But when Eggie started officially, it was just Donnie and Jake and two other guys. Mike was, was in their friend group and always playing music with them but wasn't an actual member of Eggy until the bassist left. Um I want to say I think early 2016 Mike joined. Then they met me through a Battle of the Bands actually. Oh, that's cool. My my band at the time when I was at Berkeley uh played against Eggy in a Battle of the Bands for a festival slot. Nice. Um And that that was the first time I met them. That was the first time I... I, I'd kind of heard of Eggie, but mainly just from, you know, we're about to go up against Eggie. And Eggie did win. That was my question. Who won? Yeah, yeah. They won. And a few months after that, um, their drummer left. And they had a couple of gigs on the books Mm -hmm. that they needed to, you know, fill the drummer role of and they remembered me from the Battle of the Bands and initially it was just a call to to have me fill in for these couple of dates Mm -hmm. but after we played the first date we kind of looked at each other we were kind of like how could we not continue to do this because it was just working so well musically and we got along so well kind of felt like we all knew each other that I knew them for much longer than I had and it was kind of just a no brainer. So I, like I said, while I was finishing the last two years of, of college, I was traveling back and forth between Boston and new Haven just for rehearsals, for gigs and stuff. And then when I finally graduated, I relocated to Connecticut and now we all live in a house together and live in the dream. That's cool. (laughs) That's cool, man. So like, that's, I want to know about, you
2: guys in jamming. So did y'all grow up jam band fans or was that just something that's kind of naturally happened for y'all?
0: I, speaking personally, got into jam bands late in high school, um, like senior year of high school. Earlier in high school, kind of got into the EDM scene and super into, you know, like Skrillex and Pretty Lights and started going to music festivals for that started going to summer camp because that, that was like two hours from my house went to like electric forest and a few other went to coachella and, and all for edm all, all you know spent, spent the whole time there at, at the edm stages you know being at festivals like electric forest and summer camp they're all like it's all meshed in with jam bands with like some rap some it's all super eclectic so inevitably being at summer camp like i caught a set of Humphreys mcgee because they play like nine times at summer camp (laughs) um and what i liked so much about the edm scene was like the community aspect of it and everyone was there to have a good time and to meet people and to just have this ecosystem of of love and music and i realized that that after seeing like umphreys and going to festivals like that that i could have that sense of community and you know make friendships through music and stuff but also see some incredible musicians and incredible music because before i was into edm i i grew up listening to like arctic monkeys and system of a down and rush foo fighters nirvana and stuff like a lot of my upbringing as a musician and just as a music listener was was rock once i got into the edm scene liked the community and then came back around to rock and and saw like umphreys and fish bands like that also have that community I was kind of, it was kind of a no brainer. I was like, well, I'm just going to hop over to this camp and kind of live here for a while. And it's been incredible just seeing what's possible in the kind of umbrella of jam band. It's kind of just whatever you, whatever influences you want to put into it. It kind of just is a community of people that like a bunch of different kinds of music. Honestly, don't. A lot of my listening now is not so many jam bands, but you know, it's it's just kind of a no brainer to still live in that community. And it's just such a beautiful genre and circle of of musicians and fans that like I would be stupid to not continue living in that world because it's just so amazing.
2: No, and, it's, and I agree. And that's you know, I'm curious. This is a really broad question, but why does Eggy jam? Like, why are, do y'all choose to do lengthier jams? And I ask that question because I hear a lot of, like, I've heard other bands talk about the kind of the cliche, like, well, we only jam so we don't kill each other and play the same show every night. <laughs> and so, so I mean, like, what is, is it kind of you went in knowing you wanted to be a jam band or is it just kind of the jams kind of have just flowed out of it and y'all are leaning into it more now?
0: I think Eggie definitely started you know i'm i'm speaking for them cuz i wasn't a part of it but definitely started with the intention of being a jam band you know they they also i think they more than me grew up listening to fish and and you know they were listening to fish when they were in uh, in hiatus it's not not expecting them to ever come back and then they you know were mind blown when in 2009 when they decided to come back and they're like, Oh my God, I actually get to go see my favorite band. (laughs) Didn't think that was possible. So it definitely started as a jam band and long story short, I think, I think it's the reward that you get from jamming is hard. You know, it's not, it's like really taxing and, and really demanding. And doesn't always go well, but it's the times that it does that are just so rewarding and so satisfying that it's like you're chasing that. You want to chase that every time you want to chase that, you know, whether it's wild and funky or blissful and spacey, you know, like when it goes well, it's the most incredible thing, whether you're a listener or the person making it. I've had some of the most like transcendent moments in my life, being at a show and seeing the band like pull it off, whatever band it is. We want to create that moment for other people and for ourselves. You know, when you have that that success on stage, it's one of the most amazing feelings. I respect the hell out of bands that play the same show every night and you know have the most fun with it like that that also sounds like so much fun just playing the music you know the way that it's supposed to go and executing it perfectly every time like there there is an a totally different art form in that but I think with the music that we play and just how we were brought up and and our our influences and stuff it's just I don't ever see us ditching that aspect of what we do just because of how much fun and how rewarding it is.
2: How do you avoid just getting into noodling and just kind of, I mean, you talked about how hard it is. How do you avoid the noodling and keeping it an interesting jam? It's
0: all about intention. It's all about curiosity. There's always going to be the aspect of noodling just in the form of um searching you know you're always you're not gonna ever gonna know what you're gonna do in a true if you're like truly jamming there's always going to be the search there's always going to be the like let me try out some stuff to see what sticks um but i think it's it's about openness to other people's ideas and kind of the say yes mentality of improv you know never say no to an idea and if someone has something that's catching your ear like just go with it and see where it can go you you might go with it and realize that wasn't the thing to to take all the way let's keep searching it's a it's such a push and pull that like i don't I don't know if that makes sense but it's it's all about just openness and mm-hmm really wanting for it to work out and being open to, to trying things out.
2: I mean, that, that goes beyond like just practicing and playing together. You really have to know your bandmates yeah. well to have that kind of level. So how do you keep that kind of open communication of like, you know, if you hear Mike starting to do a groove and it's like, don't, don't do that, man, that's not working. How do you, how do you tell them that? Or is it just always, let's let them try it out. Like, is it just that y'all are that close through practice and being together and things?
0: I think it's it's a lot of time playing music together, but it's also a lot of time being with each other, living with each other, like so much of music and playing music with someone. It's it's so personal and it's so, so much a part of you, not just as a musician, but as a human and as a we don't really do that much like listening exercises per se, but we do talk a lot about what happened at a show or what happened in practice. If we're, if we jam, and like you said, Mike on bass is, you know, he goes, he goes to a chord progression too soon, or, you know, is not necessarily linking up with my kick drum, or whatever it is it's always a conversation if there's if there's a thought of this could be better it's always brought up and people at times have differing opinions and then we find the middle ground but things are always being talked about pretty much at almost every show something is brought up whether it's like yo that thing you did worked really well let's keep doing that remember remember that feeling of how good that felt and let's keep trying to strive for that or if it's like dude you were you were like going too ham in this part like you were kind of getting ahead of yourself like try to find a way just to center yourself in in that situation like it's always a conversation and it's always about being open to criticism and whether it's positive or or negative I think with any band that's trying to do what we're doing or what we're trying to do, you need to be open to the conversation. And obviously don't sacrifice yourself and your own wants and your own feelings. But if you have those wants and feelings, like you have to communicate them because sacrificing your own wants is not, it's not worth it. You want to have fun, and you want to be like seeing your wants come to life, and you just have to be open and and be communicative about it. And a, a lot of jamming
2: is so just kind of free spirited, like you were saying, like noodling to find something, you're searching for something, yeah. And you're talking about having these conversations and kind of not being critical of one another, but you're you're having difficult conversations in yeah. some of those times. How do you avoid overanalyzing the jams and just letting yourselves be free to jam in search of that that blissful moment
0: totally i mean it's i think there's been times where we've been overly analytical and you know swinging in one direction too far like we have a conversation about wanting to chill out and not not do too much but then we're you know on stage and we're kind of looking around like nobody's doing anything like nobody's saying anything in the music and it's hard to say exactly how to find the balance but it there needs to be a balance of noticing when you're being when you're saying too much or or being too overly analytical yeah because we've definitely we've found ourselves in that time or we're where, where like maybe too analytical about one person and then they're like I don't even know what to do now because so many things have been said like and I think we've realized when we're being too much like all of us and Mm -hmm. when to tone it back when to push it a little bit more and we really have like we all have a really good relationship with each other in that sense where we're all super open And we're all super like active in wanting to see basically our, you know, musical dreams come true. It's all about a balance. In those spaces where
2: nothing's really happening, how do
0: you find the
2: balance of saying like, well, nothing's happening. I'm going to push the jam this way versus where somebody else is probably feeling it and thinking the same way. Is there some kind of communication that y'all have? How do y'all figure that
0: out? It's really just, it's, so much time spent playing together. We're like, you know, we'll we'll still run into things like that where, you know, two people have the same idea to like throw out an idea at the same time. It, it's hard. It's hard to say because yeah. there's there's times of different mentalities working, and I think it's we've just been playing together for. I want to yeah six years now, and it's kind of it's become just like a unspoken thing. Yeah, we'll we'll run into hurdles at certain times, and we'll talk through stuff of how to how to tackle an an issue on stage or something. But it's really just like knowing your bandmates so well, and kind of having this like telepathic uh, tunnel that I just kind of know when to back off of an idea to make space for something else. Well, it's, and I
2: was thinking about when you were talking about that, I was thinking about bittersweet motel. I think it's in that movie where it's Trey or Mike, or somebody talks about how some of the best times in the band are spent in the practice room when they're just jamming free together, there's no expectations. They're just doing it for one another. Is that something that y'all kind of feel in getting to know each other through these jams?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've had, Honestly, there's there's so many practices and and especially in the early days that I wish were recorded. Like the first, oh my God, the, the first jam we had that where it was like they were kind of like trying me out was incredible. And I, I, I don't know if, you know, if I were to able to listen back to it, if it would be incredible compared to what we're doing now, or if it was just like the magic of the moment we'd never played together before, and things were just clicking really well. But there's, there's absolutely those types of moments in practice that push the band forward. I think it's, I think it's about equal. I think we have the same dynamic, whether we're in, we're in practice or we're on stage, where we're trying to improve and we're having conversations afterwards. In practice, we're able to do a little bit of the like stop start sort of thing of of being like, whether it's a good like a good thing that happened or something we want to try to fix, like if something works really well, we might stop the song and be like, yo, that was the shit. Like, I don't I, I want to stop so we can acknowledge that that was working really well. Like, let's keep doing that or like i said it w- might also be something like hey like i don't want to forget about this i don't want to keep jamming for 20 minutes and then like forget about a note that i want to bring up but you know let's let's focus in on this concept because that didn't really work really well so a lot of a lot of time in the practice room is spent trying to like refine those things but if we're able to remember thoughts that we had in the show, you know, of things that worked or didn't work. You know, so many times I'll have thoughts when we're playing um of like, oh, I want to I want to bring this up after the show and then by the time yeah. we get off stage it's gone. Um Yeah. But if we happen to remember it, it's definitely something that's like brought up afterwards. Mm-hmm.
2: Is that something when you're when you go back and Uh, when you're working on all the shows and you listen to every note, like you were talking about earlier, is that something that you often like run to your band and like you got to hear this, you got to hear this jam. Do you remember doing this? Is that something that happens?
0: Definitely. I think I can do it more, but I I definitely try to do that as much as I can. Um, A lot of times (laughs) I'm like, I really want to get the show out and I want to just get it mixed so I can get it out to the people. And like, I might have that thought of being like, oh, I want to show the guys this. Whether it's like, oh, let's let's try to work on this, or like, wasn't this sick? But honestly, like, I I should be doing that more because we do some cool stuff. (laughs) You do. Uh, You should be proud of yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But now that I'm, I've been singing a lot more, and I've been like more tapped into just the vocals of the band, whether it's mine or the harmonies and stuff. I've been m- playing the role of of I don't want to say vocal coach, but like recognizing things that are working and not working in the vocals and being the one to like bring those up and yeah. trying to refine that cuz you know there's everyone there's a stereotype of jam band vocals suck, you know. Yeah. We're, we're really trying to like trying to just improve in in any way that we can with the vocals. And I think they, the rest of the guys kind of look to me for advice on certain things vocally. Um, I just, I, I feel like my ears is tuned well to like harmony and to tone and, um, things like that, where I can kind of be, a, a good voice in terms of um improvement and advice for all of us you know including myself i'll I'll listen back to me singing lead on a song and be like that freaking sucked <laughs> and, <laughs> but kind of knowing like what i need to improve on and and how to achieve it putting in the time to do it
2: well that's i want to kind of change gears a little bit now and talk about one very notable gig in the eggy history. And you can probably already guess where I'm going with this peach music fest, 2021. Yeah. (laughs) You guys got a ton of buzz from that one set and it is a fantastic set. And I just wanted to kind of go back and talk about it. Like, how do you feel about it now? I mean, it's been more than a year out. How do you feel about it now? A year later.
0: Thinking about the feeling going into the set and the feeling like on stage is like pretty crazy. It's, it's one of the show's, I, I oftentimes like black out when I'm playing. Like I just it's hard to think about like how I felt or even like remember what happened, you know, but I remember a lot of of that show and a lot of the feeling like you know, going into it had really low expectations because it was the first set of the weekend. First day of, of the, the whole festival, first show, of the for, first set of the whole festival. It was uh, forecast, had rain. We were kind of like, it'd be cool if 200 people showed up. You know, that would be amazing. It was the smallest stage. And then we're sound checking. Things are like we had a lot of technical issues in sound check and more and more people started showing up. And like the pressure started setting in, like one of the keyboards was just totally crapping out. We were like freaking out, trying to like test cables, and and the pressure was was on, and all of our you know heart rates were going through the roof. And then I remember like the first, you know, we figured out the technical issues, thank God, like right at the last minute. And then we started playing, and there's just so many people, and I remember like. Kind of being unsettled for the first little bit. Just being like, holy crap, holy crap, this is crazy. Like, there's so many people here. And then, like, second or third song, it just became so much fun. Just unbelievable amount of fun. And I think you you can see it watching the video, just how much fun we're having. And our smiles were just, like, so giddy. And the energy of the crowd was crazy. And definitely was, you know, a really good feeling coming out of pandemic. Not really sure what was going to be on the other side in terms of our growth and in terms of how people felt about us. You know, we, we did some streaming and stuff through pandemic that was received really well. People were really into, but didn't really know what that would manifest into coming out of the pandemic. But I think that was a really justifying feeling, you know, being like, okay, something's actually working. Something's going well, because there's all these people that have never seen us before, that have been waiting to see us. And they're finally here. They're real. You know, it's it's these these people have just been faces online and names online saying, like, can't wait to see you guys, you know, when you come back to playing shows never knew if that would actually turn into anything you know people say a lot but like are they actually gonna show up and be real and that was a really really great feeling of seeing it come to life
2: with jam bands it's such a peculiar thing to me and it's probably across other genres and I'm being microscopic or something with it but like I always think about like buzz in the jam band world. It seems like it's such a different thing than if it's alternative or pop or something like that, because it's always in the lineage of the Grateful Dead or Fish. Yeah, and it's kind of unfair in a lot of ways because it's like, oh, well, they're going to be the next Fish or right. they're and it's like, you know, in the alternative world, it's like, well, they're just the next big thing. Yeah, and so I mean, is that something that that kind of buzz? Is that something you've kind of seen from the jam the band side of things, or is it just is that maybe just my perspective?
0: I feel like other genres, it's so much more about numbers. It's so much more of a numbers game. How many streams you have, how many tickets did you sell, which is still, you know, it's still a factor in our scene. But I feel like word of mouth is just so powerful in the jam scene. And it's, (laughs) you know, jam jam band fans can just be ridiculous at times. I'm one of them, so I, I, I know, but it's just, it's so funny that, like, the, like, torch passing thing is such, like, a a factor, you know? It's, it's not necessarily a real thing, but it's, like, who are the fans saying are going to be the next big thing? Like, is the general consensus on, you know, whatever forums or something, like, this band sucks or this band isn't? Am- is amazing there. You got to go see them. Like people take that seriously, whether that's a good or, or a bad thing. It's it's so much more a reality than I feel like in other genres pop. It's really just about like, are you being played on the radio? Are you opening for this big artist like to be, you know, shown to thousands of people? Are you getting pushed by this label? Now it's a little different with like TikTok. Like so many people are getting big through that. And that's also totally different than word of mouth. That's an algorithm. You know, it's like, are is your content favoring the algorithm? Is it, are you making content that the TikTok algorithm wants to push? It's just so... And I don't think in either camps, they're like jam scene or the other one. I don't think there's really like a a manual to it. I don't think there's like a tried and true way to go about it. I think in the the jam band world a lot of it is like just being genuine and being interesting musically and per, like as personalities. But it is, you know, in the grand scheme of things just so different than any other Yeah way of of trying to market yourself it's just so much of it is about the the shows i think more now than ever it is about like social media and stuff and what content you put out but also what content or i guess just what people are saying about you online but it's fucking weird (laughs) yeah
2: well that's i mean like really and truly it's only happened once i mean it was and that's just the narrative of the Grateful Dead going into fish, mm-hmm. when really you had a rise in widespread panic, string cheese incident, all totally. that in the late nineties. I mean, Dave Matthews band to some extent. Totally. And I mean, we've seen a string of bands since the early two thousands, like Umphreys and, you know, even goose now that are really rising in the scene totally. and making a difference. But I mean, so it's really not true in most ways, I guess you could say that, it, or it's not a fair thing but do you do you guys feel that burden of like, oh, we have to be the next buzzworthy band. Like we have to be the ones to step up and catch the wave now.
0: You know, that's always going to be a thought and going to be a factor of wanting that. But I think we've found in bands like Goose or bands that are catching the wave or catching the success, it's all about being genuine. And it's all about. I agree. Making music and making content that is a a reflection of you and a reflection of who you are and what kind of music you love and what kind of music you love to make and what kind of content that you love to ingest. The the like funny content that we put out, we only put it out because we think it's funny. It's not like oh the people are gonna love this, you know. You're you always there's always the thought of what people are gonna think, but more than that, way more than that, it's just about like, do I love this? Do we love this? I think the, you're always, we're always going to want to be successful and want people to enjoy our music and to share our music with their people. But I think it's more destructive than helpful to focus on the success factor. I think it's a lot more, I think the tried and true way of doing it is just being genuine.
2: Well, I mean, I think too, just to kind of relate back to our conversation, it's a lot like jamming and that you're just searching for what feels right in the moment. You're searching for that creative outlet that just, that makes sense in that. And it seems like that's what you're pursuing right now. And it seems, I mean, when I listen to you guys, especially your live shows, that's, that's really what I pick up is a lot of fun. You know you're creatively expressing yourself, and I think I think y'all are doing a great job of that. that. So,
0: yeah, I mean, when you think about think about Fish, like what they were doing in the late '80s '90s, like there's no reason for them to have thought that, like, oh, we're going to be huge, like we're going to be selling yes. out Madison Square Garden. Like they were just yes. super goofy and super ridiculous and weirdos, and like loved. That aspect of themselves, <laughs> and you know, there's
2: no reason a band that has a song called "Big Flat Furry Creature from Mars" should yeah. ever reach that level right. of success. It's, it's just, it's completely abnormal.
0: At Madison Square Garden, exactly. <laughs> it's, it doesn't it's make not about sense. it's. It can't. It can't ever be about like we want to make a bunch of money and we want mm-hmm. a bunch of fans. It's just got to be like we love what we're doing mm-hmm. and want to keep doing it. <laughs>
2: Well, I think y'all are doing a great job. So last question as we wrap up. What's on what's on the, the books for 2023 for Eggy? What's coming up?
0: We gotta we gotta get to the parts of the country that we haven't been to yet. Putting in those, you know, those plans right now. You know, haven't really done much of the South. We're mm-hmm. we're coming. We're coming. I hope uh, so, man. Uh, <laughs> we've been working on a lot of new music, both, you know. That we wanna debut at shows and music that we are recording, and that we're kinda like keeping you know to our chest and and waiting for it to manifest into something we can release to everybody, so you're not gonna road test the songs we'll see <laughs> we'll see some some stuff we have plans to, and some stuff we're like, oh let's just let's save it, but yeah. Uh, we have some really exciting plans in in terms of recording and and you know, can't say when something is going to be out, but when it is, I think people are going to really enjoy it. And we are really enjoying it, which is the most important, going back to yeah. what you we were just saying no, for sure. So, um, and then, obviously, when festival season comes next year, we'll be coming to places that we haven't been yet. and playing some, some dream festivals and coming back to a lot of the same ones that we love to play in the last two years. Yeah. Just, just trying to have as much fun as possible and meet as many people, as new people as we can and see a lot of familiar faces on the road, link up with some bands that we've been really enjoying and yeah, you know, all the things. Well, Alex, I
2: appreciate you talking today. I wish it, eggy the absolute best moving forward you guys thank got, you got a lot so of much. potential so i wish you the best so i appreciate it again man
0: thank you this was a lot of fun appreciate uh talking to you
2: thanks for listening to another episode of yesterday's concert thoughts similar experiences disagree let us know on twitter instagram and even tiktok or you can email us at info at yesterday's if you're feeling kind Give us a review on Apple podcast. Otherwise, until next time, give us a subscribe, check out our website, yesterdaysconcert.com. And most importantly, take care of your shoes.
1: It's NFL draft season. And that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.